verse 19. It says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity we have to be in your house and to hear your word preached. Thank you for loving us. I pray you just be with Pastor Mason as he preaches. Please use him. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. sunny days that the sky above us would never turn gray but life isn't always sunshine we have times that leave us asking why and when the clouds roll in and tears begin to fall there must be a reason for it all. Redeemer of the rain, the Lord will never waste our pain. He brings beauty out of brokenness and hope to our heartache. Healing out of every hurt that invades our shattered world. We never walk through trials in vain. He's the Redeemer of the rain. Every problem that we face is sifted by the Father through hands of grace. He uses sorrow to draw us, to call us closer to his side it's in the middle of the storm we learn to trust that he is always watching over us redeemer of the rain the lord will never waste our pain he brings beauty out of brokenness and hope to our heartache Healing out of every hurt that invades our shattered world. We never walk through trials in vain. He's the Redeemer of the rain. Dark days we walk through. Dark days we walk through. They lead a path for others, leading them to the Redeemer of the rain. brokenness and hope to our heartache healing out of every hurt that invades our shattered world we never walk through trials in vain oh we've known his mercy long enough to say he's the redeemer of the Appreciate that. Thank you for that. I'm going to jump right in where we were uh, last week. I just want to mention uh, a couple things uh, very quickly before we uh, head into that. We've been on the um, but God moments in the Bible, and uh, I'm just going to run through them very quickly. Uh, he is loving, and aren't you glad for that? 
God is merciful. The Bible says, but God who is rich in mercy. But God uh, uh, who can forgive sins, but God only. He forgives. And I think one of the reasons why we struggle with forgiveness is because the Bible says that um, God is the only one with capacity to forget. Uh, Even though we're commanded to forgive, and well, we should. But uh, we have a hard time with the forgetting part of it. Paul even said it in a progressive tense verb when he said, forgetting those things which are behind. In other words, this is something I continue to try to do and try to do and try to do and try to do. I was, uh, uh, we were watching a little bit of uh, uh, March Madness. Um, um, my, my family loves it, so I try to watch it to, you know, stay connected with them. But uh, we were watching uh, part of the, uh, uh, the Duke game. and Who was it they were playing? I'm trying to remember. UCF. See, I was just testing you. There was a whole bunch of you out there that were watching. But uh, anyhow, they, they had it right down to the very end, and Duke comes back and wins, of course. And uh, I was talking to my girls. I said, you know, the, the, uh, the coach's son had a phenomenal game. I mean, really, probably the game of his life. But he had two plays in the last minute that he'll never forget. He missed a tip shot with two seconds left that would have won the game. He was two feet from the basket. He missed, uh, mishandled a layup with uh, a minute to go in the game. He'll remember that the rest of his life. I, uh, I told you before, you know, it's uh, um, Tom Brady was asked the question before the Super Bowl this year, uh, what was his most memorable Super Bowl? And he said, the ones I've lost. That's true because we have a hard time forgetting. You know, we, those, those, whether it's a wound or a loss, or, and you say, Pastor, that's just sports. Hey, listen. Uh, to them, that's life. And to you, whatever it is in your life, many times those are the things that stick out. And if it's a, a hurt or a wound against us, well, one of the best things you can ever do is, is, is forgive because uh, that's what God does. And uh, we just have a hard time with forgetting. Then he offers redemption, but God will redeem my soul. Praise the Lord for that. He was offered for sin because you and I, we don't have anything that we can offer for sin. There's no bartering there when it comes to our sin. Uh, if you die alone in your sin, you die uh, without and apart from God. It doesn't matter who you are. You can never be good enough. I was, uh, I was talking with someone recently uh, about this very thought, and the idea was that, um, well, maybe, maybe when I stand before the God, you know, I'll, I'll have been good enough. That'll never work. It doesn't matter. Uh, you, you and I can never be good enough. By the way, aren't you glad for that? You know what that means? It takes the pressure off you. Because I, I don't know about you, I'd be, I'd be living every day wondering, oh, what about that? Does, that? does that weigh more than the good that I did today? Because the Bible tells us it's not by, right, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He hath saved us. Well, what a great word that is. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions they fail not. Then uh, we covered He resurrects, and man, that's great hope and promise for us. You know, I, I, I always thought and still think, um, but to be honest, probably less than I did when I, when I was a teenager, I just knew for sure the rapture was coming at any moment. I, re- I really did. I was, you know, you've heard me say it before, I was afraid I wasn't going to get married, afraid I wasn't going to have kids, yada, yada, all that. And uh, I still think he's coming back soon, um, like real soon. But Man, at 56, I realize that I'm, I'm getting a lot closer to that end. Now, that brings great comfort knowing that, uh, hey, you know, I'd rather go by way of rapture 
But if I leave this life, when my heart beats its last beat, I draw my last breath, I, I have confidence in Him that if he, uh, he who was able to resurrect Himself from the grave will also provide that for everyone that's ever uh, trusted Him as their Savior. And so, um, believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm preferring rapture, you know? Uh, that, that would be awesome. Uh, you say, why? Because I'm chicken. You say, what do you mean? I don't want to die. Some of you say, oh, pastor, you should have more faith than that. I have more faith in that, but I still don't want to die, you know? It's one of those, like, I know I'm going to heaven, but I'm not signing up for the next wagon load that's going. So, um, and some of you could say, man, I, you know, that disappoints me. But hey, it is what it is. And some of you, if you're honest, you'd say the same thing too. Then the next thing we find is that he is faithful, but God is faithful. There have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, but God is faithful. Then, uh, boy, I love this one from uh, Joseph's story, Genesis chapter number 50. His brethren come to him, and they're getting ready to tell him, hey, Dad said to be good to us. You remember that? And the Bible reminds us, he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Then we turn our attention. I think this was uh, maybe the 10th one that we were covering. Um, But God is the judge. He put it down one, set it up another. Most high ruleth in the kingdom of men. He giveth it to whomsoever he will. Um, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth whithersoever he will. We can sit here and argue about who's president, who should be president, and all that stuff, and I'm not, getting the, I'm not doing the political dance tonight, but I'm just saying this. God has always, he sets up one, sets down another. A lot of times we, it doesn't make sense to us, but God used Pharaoh. Um, God has used wicked kings throughout human history. And so sometimes we think, well, we, and we do need to, I think it's important to vote. I think it's important to uh, be um, uh, astute and aware of what's going on politically, particularly as they affect us, our families, our freedoms, and those type of things. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is um, not so much who's in the White House, but are you in the church house? Um, and that's not even in my notes, but it just sounded good. Um, he alone is judge. Then, uh, Andy led us in this reading, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to continue with this and then jump into the next one. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Lord, help us now. A few moments that we have, God, direct our words, our thoughts. We pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. He supplies, and it is because uh, of several things. We mentioned this last week, our personal relationship with him and distinguishing between our needs and our wants. One of the greatest stories of that is, uh, and this was... Uh, uh, this was taken off his Facebook profile. So, um, wow, tough crowd. You didn't, anybody know who that is? Yeah, it's George Mueller. George Mueller was an amazing story. He was, uh, uh, of course, he founded hundreds of orphanages. But in his lifetime, he didn't start off that way. He started, in fact, when his mother was dying, he was away drinking and playing cards with a group of teenage friends. He said, I was an unrepentant scoundrel. That's what he said. His own testimony, he said he didn't want anything to do with God, and his mom died while he was away drinking and playing cards with friends. But he was, uh, he was visiting with a friend's house, and boy, this, you talk about the power of a testimony. The power of a testimony. And while he was there with one of his friends, who was also, by his own testimony and own definition, was unregenerate, another lost individual, but there was a lady there. And the lady in that home gave a clear presentation of the gospel to him and prayed a prayer for him. And boy, he, he was so impacted by that. But he, he said he left that home and was never the same again. 
It wasn't long after that, he placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he uh, began working with uh, uh, some, the, the Jews even during his day. Many of them were persecuted, so he started working and reaching, reaching some of the Jewish people. Uh, then he fell into ill health, and they told him, hey, you're never going to be able to do anything. You know, you're weak, you're sickly, and probably it's best for you to pack it in. Well, it's a good thing he didn't take their advice on that. Um, but George Mueller was, uh, was an unbelievable man of prayer. The stories are legendary about George Mueller's prayer life. There's one such occasion, he was traveling across on a, a vessel, and he had to be in Canada by the next day, and the uh, captain shut the engines down. And he noticed the ship was stalling, slowing, and about to stall in the Atlantic. And he came up to the bridge, and the captain said, we're shutting the engines down completely because there's a fog. We can't see anything in front of us. And he said, may I have access to your chart room where they kept all the, the maps and so forth. And the captain said, why, yes. He said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to get a hold of God. And he said, because i got to be in Canada tomorrow. And the captain kind of scoffed at him and said, this fog is thick. It's not lifting. And he said, may I have access to your chart room? And so the captain took him downstairs below the bridge. And George Mueller, just a very simple prayer. It wasn't like he, sometimes we pray to be heard. You ever hear somebody who prays to be heard? You know? And, uh, you know, by the way, it doesn't take a loquacious prayer. Sometimes it's just, it's Peter sinking in the water. Oh, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. No, that's not what he was doing because he'd have been under by then. He just simply said, Lord, save me. And by the way, when you cried out and asked the Lord to save you, it's probably pretty quick, pretty, you know, it's just, you may not even remember the words, but you knew the condition and the plea from your heart. So Peter's prayer, Lord, save me. David's prayer, Lord, help me. David, more than once, he prayed a simple prayer, God, deliver me. Nonetheless, George Mueller is down beneath the bridge in the chart room with the captain, and the captain is is almost ridiculing him. And he said to him, he said, I don't see how you could expect this fog to lift. And George Mueller, not in an arrogant way, he said, dear captain, he said, I have been speaking to my Savior for more than 50 years, and never one time have I not gained an audience with the king. I just love the way that sounds. And that was the confidence that he had, not in his prayer, but in his Father. And so he prayed very simply, and he said, Captain, he said, we can continue our journey. And the captain is laughing on the way up, and he said, let's go to the bridge. And so they got to the bridge, and the fog was completely dissipated. And it wasn't long after that, that captain, his name was Joseph, he became known as Holy Joe on the seas, because that one answer to prayer changed his life, and he became a child of God. George Mueller said, I've got to be at such and such place by tomorrow. And instead, he says, God can take care of this. You know, whatever you've got to do tomorrow, do you realize God can take care of that? I, I think one of the great distinctions is he spent 50 years having an audience with the king. And most of the time, most of the time, our prayer is in a time of trouble. It's in a time of turmoil. It's, uh, it's not in the regular, everyday, simple affairs of life. Do you think that God wants to only be involved in your hurts? Now, He does, certainly. 
But God wants to be involved and engaged in everything that's going on. You know, it's sometimes like a, 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 a wife could ask of her husband, how's your day? And in the conversation of that, you know, she's wanting the nitty-gritty. She's wanting the, the big-time details. But he doesn't think it's that big of a deal. And so he's not saying very much. You know, he goes, well, how was your day? Oh, that's good. And for him, that's enough. For him saying, hey, it's, you know, it's okay, that, that's good enough. But what God wants to be involved in is every single aspect of your life. And so when a, when a wife asks that of her husband, she really does want to know everything. Now, if you ask her, well, how was her day, you know, just probably sit down for a moment because now I've heard this. This has never happened in my home because it just doesn't, it, it doesn't work that way. Uh, but, but, you know, you might want to sit down and say, you know, well, I got up at 7.50, I had to take the kids to school, and Sally forgot her band instrument, so I had to run back home and get that. And then uh, Billy forgot his lunch, so I had to go home and make sure he had lunch money. I got home at 9 o'clock, and the washing machine was uh, n- not working. Water was sitting in it. By the way, you need to call the repairman about that. And then at 10 o'clock, I got this phone call from Aunt Sally, and, oh, let me tell you about Aunt Sally. By that time, that guy's snoozing. Okay, now, I know it shouldn't be that way, but that's typically how it is. Now, nonetheless, George Mueller knew that he had an audience with the king. One of the most common uh, testimonies about his prayer life is, and by the way, over the course of his life, he established over 100 schools that trained over 120,000 children. They said over the course of his life, in our terms of finances and monies today, tens of millions of dollars passed through his hands. And yet George Mueller, when he died, he had nothing. He was considered a, in poverty. And he would often say, he said, I never tried to keep any of it. I wanted it to pass right through me. I wanted God to trust me enough to give it to me, knowing that I was not a reservoir that was going to keep it. I was a funnel that was going to direct it. There's a huge distinction. A lot of people want God to bless them. A lot of people, God, give me, give me, give me, give me. And, uh, but, but his was, God, give me so I can give. God, give me so I can give. God, give me so I can give. And so at the end of his life, he had absolutely nothing. By the world's standards, he was in poverty. But uh, on one such occasion, he had 700 children in an orphanage, and he was, they had no food, which is a problem. It's tough at your house when you don't have food. But he was, he had 700 children, and no food, and he gathered them into the common area, the dining area, for breakfast. And uh, the ladies who were running the kitchen, the dining hall, and his supervisor, they said, uh, um, Pastor Mueller, what should we do? And he, he told them, he said, gather the children to pray. And one of the ladies said, pray for what? He said, we're going to ask the Lord to bless the breakfast. And she said, Pastor Mueller, we don't have anything. He said, oh, we will. I, 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 I don't pray that way. And it wasn't too long after that, there was a knock at the door, and a man came with all types of baked items. But the most, most amazing one was a milk farmer. His cart broke a wheel right in front of the orphanage. And so that the milk would not spoil, he had no means of getting it to town to sell, he gave it to the orphanage. But on that particular day, the breakfast that they were thanking God for was not yet in the orphanage, it was on its way. And most of the time, what we need is on its way if we have the faith. And if we have the, I have to say it, 
not just the faith, but when, when Paul wrote that and he said to that church, he said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. God's never had a, had a financial adversity. There's never been a recession with God. There's never been a, a, a reversal of any type. It's, it's always God has plenty, but many times we take a, a step back. And so sometimes we have to ask ourselves, what is it that, that God wants to do in our life? Everybody wants to be able to tell a story about how God has worked a, a miracle in their life. Let me ask you this, and I, I, don't, I, I don't want a show of hands. I don't want to comment. But if I asked you right now to take out a sheet of paper and write down an answer to prayer, a specific answer to prayer that you or I have had in the last 30 days, could we do it? And I'm not asking you to do that. But mentally, if I assign that task to us tonight, and I'm not talking talking about, well, I asked them to bless the food and I didn't get sick. Okay, I asked them to help my team win, and they did. I'm not, I'm not talking about that, okay? But I mean something very tangible, specific that you could say. And by the way, uh, you know, Paul specifically asked for relief uh, about his thorn in the flesh three times, three instances, three seasons of life, and God did not give him relief. So I'm not, I'm not picking on any of us today. I'm simply trying to get us to the point where we understand that God wants to answer your prayers. God wants to meet your needs. God wants to supply your needs according to his riches and glory. But we got to make sure that we're in a right relationship. We're in a personal relationship and that there's no sin, nothing between my soul and the Savior. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So, um, man, I, you know, I, I like to be able to tell stories about what God has done for us. I mean, there have been times in our life when we you know, didn't have groceries. Um, I can remember especially early in ministry, and obviously uh, you can tell by looking at me, I'm not hungry now, um, though I do need a Diet Coke. Someone alerted me today that the McDonald's in Sherwood is remodeling overnight and they are closing early, so we're going to pray. Lord, thank uh, we just, but no, I actually, I did hear that. Someone was kind enough to let me know. Does anybody know what time they're closing? Because then, anyway, um, so, but, but God wants to meet your needs. And I, I can remember specifically, my wife can, can attest to this. Why does a preacher ever need to say that? But it's like, I'm telling the truth. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. But I can remember times when um, we didn't have any groceries. I mean, literally. And uh, I remember being in the spot where, and I didn't want to tell anybody because it was one of those moments where I wanted God to come through. You know what I mean? I, I really wanted God to come through. And I, I honestly... Can, can tell you. I've seen that happen in our life where we, we hear something outside on the porch and we open the door and there's, there's groceries on the porch. I, that has happened in our family. And um, so, so I, I know that God wants to. I know that God can do that, but it's in, imperative upon us to be the ty- in the type of relationship with the Lord where it's personal, but where it's also right so that when we go to God, we know that we're having our request answered. Every person in here is in a different arena of life, whether spiritually speaking, financially speaking. Every, every single person in here in unique situations. But I guarantee you, every person in here right now has something you want God to come through for you. Every one of you. Uh, it could be a relationship. It could be finances. It could be health. 
any number of things. And you and I are exhausting doing everything that we possibly can to try to make it happen. But at the end of the day, we really need God to come through. And that's exactly what it means. He supplies. Then let me draw your attention to uh, the next thought uh, in this series, and that is he continues ever. He is unchangeable. Boy, this is so good. Because with, with mankind sometimes... You ever hear the expression walking on eggshells? Because with mankind, you never know where you stand necessarily with someone. But you always know where you stand with God. Why? Because he said, I change not. I'm the Lord. I change not. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We'll look at a couple verses, draw your attention to the screen there. But this man speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ here in the book of Hebrews, particularly in this stretch of chapters, but noticeably here in chapter 7, verse 24. But this man, because he continueth, ever hath an unchangeable priesthood. Malachi, last part of the Minor Prophets in the Old Testament. For I am the Lord, I change not. And by the way, don't you love this phrase that he throws out there? I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, because of that, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. You say, why is that? Because he reminds us when Jeremiah says, it is of the Lord's mercies in the book of Lamentations that ye are not consumed. In other words, I didn't get through this far in life because, well, I've taken care of myself. Well, I worked hard. I, when, I, when I drive, I'm a careful driver and I'm cautious and I'm always looking around me. Are you kidding me? The only way we get through life unscathed, and by the way, that doesn't mean that when tragedy happens or occurs to anybody, it's because uh, that God has done that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. My point is, he says, ye sons of Jacob, the only reason you guys are still around, nation of Israel, because remember, they had rebelled. They had, uh, um, they had done what was called backsliding Israel. God said, the only reason I've even put up with you is because I change not. You're my people. I change not. And the only reason we have anything in this life is because of the good hand of God upon us. And so it's a good thing that we serve a God who is unchangeable. This, uh, this world changes. It's changing all the time. Our culture is, is begging us to change. Our society is, is trying to get us further and further and further away from the truth of the gospel. We have watered down Christianity. I was sharing with, uh, uh, at lunch today, uh, uh, recently reading about, um, uh, in, in fact, I, I think one of the testimonies is in, in uh, the book that we, and, and I'll get some more of them in order, but When a Nation Forgets God by, by uh, Erwin Lutzer. Um, but one of the testimonies there is one of the uh, pastors in Germany during the Second World War, and Adolf Hitler executed him among thousands of others uh, because they preached against the state. And so he, he using his authoritarian power, he, he just executed. He didn't like what they said. He executed them. But he talked about how the church, this is 70 years ago, their grace became cheap. Uh, they weren't willing to stand. They were willing to, uh, they became more tolerant about things and allowed things to come in. Well, if you don't want, okay, if you want us to do this, okay, okay, okay. And what happens is we have done in our Christianity today, we've watered it down and weakened it so much don't misunderstand me. I I don't want to offend anybody. I don't try to be offensive. But I will say this, the Word of God is an offense. You you know the Bible's very clear. The the Bible says that it is a mirror. You may, I'll use me. I may not like what it says, but it doesn't change the fact that it says it. This book says I'm a sinner, 
And I have no hope apart from the finished work of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if man says, well, you ought to be tolerant of everybody else. And there's a lot of different ways. No, because this book says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, that may not be popular. It may not, it may not uh, be something that is palatable and acceptable and, and, and all of that. But, but the fact is, God has not changed. Our country, our culture, the world, globally speaking, has changed dramatically. I mean, I mean, think about it. And, and uh, again, I'm not, I'm not wanting to preach necessarily on this, but, but we're talking about how far our country has changed, how dramatically it's drifted from the Word of God. I mean, it's, it's, it's very common. I was in D.C. just uh, oh, last week and, and met with one of our, our representatives and was grateful for the opportunity to. But you walk around the buildings in downtown Washington, D.C., you'll see Scripture on monuments all over the place. I mean, it, it's, it is all over the place, and, and they may be trying to remove it. They may want to get rid of it because, well, it, it's not as kind in this area, or we need to be. By the way, there is no better lover than God. Sometimes people want to say, well, well I don't think you ought to talk that way because you ought to love everybody. Hey, God loved everybody. Anybody that has ever died without Jesus Christ, God loved them the same. In the pivotal event of human history, two thieves hanging at Calvary, God loved them both the same. One rejected him, but God did not love him less than the one who was the repentant thief. It's foolish for us to think otherwise. By the way, it is one of the reasons why we get a black eye, so to speak, because sometimes Christians can be unkind to people that they, they think are away from God or, or uh, their sin is uh, uh, abhorrent to them or abominable to them. But let me just say this. Sin's not abominable to us. First of all, it's abominable to God. And, you, and we can't say, well, this particular sin, that's an abomination. Because I can nail every one of us on that because the Bible says lying lips are an abomination to God, but they that deal truly are His delight. So you know what that means? That means you and me, all of our sin, no matter how we want to dress it up, no matter how we think it's better or different or not as bad as someone else's, it still stinks in the nostrils of a holy God. I'm not a good sinner. I'm a good sinner in, in the fact that I'm pretty good at it after 56 years. But there's no such thing as a good sinner, and my sin is not better or less offensive to a holy God than someone else's. We sit here and think, well, well, this person's sin or this sin. Well, these are awful, man. This, if you stack those up, those would be awful sins. My sins put Jesus Christ on the cross. My sins. It's my iniquity, my wrong. And it, so I, I, but, but sometimes the world will want to say, well, you Christians, you're not kind. Hey, listen, we ought to love every sinner there's ever been because that's all any of us are. But it doesn't mean that you condone and justify sin and say, well, God is okay with that. And it doesn't matter if certain denominations or even those that call themselves Baptist uh, decide that, um, well, I, I think now, um, I, I remember listening, and I'll try to be very careful here, I, again, especially since I know we're, we're live streaming, but there are certain well-known preachers across the country, and they say their position on certain things of which the Bible is very clear, that their position is evolving. I've heard people say that. By the way, that's such a nice way of saying it. You ever notice how, how we don't like saying what things really are? Well, my position is evolving. Well, see, because 40 years ago, we said you were a compromiser. But now it's, it's evolving. 
It's, it's kind of it's coming around. And so, uh, but, and by the way, my position might evolve, but God's doesn't. God's not trying to figure things out. God is not like, ah, let me get back to you on that. God is not looking at, at anything that is happening and that is accepted in our culture today and saying, you know, they got a point there. You know, I, I, in fact, we may need to rethink that and, and uh, probably give it a little more time. Are you kidding me? God never, never changes. And he deals with sin strongly. Now, by the way, that ought to be as much a challenge for me as it is for anybody else. Because I have to understand that when I say God deals with sin seriously, I have to own up to the fact that I'm a sinner. And so if I'm talking about God dealing with sin, I'm talking about my sin. You know the old song that we hear sometimes from time to time, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. And that's exactly what sin is. And so I don't need to look around and say, well, that particular group of people, that segment of society, you know, I, I, and, and we, we just need to tolerate and condone and accept. No, we don't. We need to love. We need to love. And we need to demonstrate the love of God to them. And understand this, that you and I are no better than any sinner that's ever drawn a breath. I don't care. You, you say, well, I'm better than, uh, you throw out the worst and most vilest individual you could ever think that drew a breath in human history. Adolf Hitler, Saddam Hussein. It doesn't matter who it is. And you, a, a Notorious killers in human history. You, you could sit there and throw those names out. And I'll tell you something, you and I are no different than they were. The only difference is the grace of God that washed your sins away. And by the way, I'd go, go so far as to say, I hope that in their closing moments, they trusted Christ. Now, some might say, no, I hope they got what they deserve. I don't want anybody to get what they deserve. Genuinely, as a born-again person, you know what? You want everybody saved. You, you might say, well, I disagree with this person. How in the world could they do this? And we've got, you know, our, our, our country is really becoming even more divided over the abortion issue. Really, I mean, and, and, and I'm, I realize we got children here, so I'll try to be careful with my comments. But God, God's position's not evolving. God has always been very, very clear. Now, our culture wants to change the terminology and say reproductive rights. A woman's right to choose. But, but it's, never been a, it's never been a questionable call with a holy God. God's always been very clear about that. And again, I realize I'm hitting a whole lot of topics tonight, but, but the fact is, it's important for us to understand, but God changeth never. Never. Sometimes that's why, for instance, a church like ours, a lot of times people say, oh, you're old school. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of old. Well, you know, God's kind of old. I mean, I don't I mean that in a disparaging way. I mean, because really, he, how old is God? Well, he's always been. I mean, you know, when's his birthday? Well, he's always been. And so you, you want to talk about old, well, time, infinity past. That's God. And so, by the way, you know one of the best things about that? I don't have to figure out where I'm supposed to stand because he's unchangeable. What's that song we sing? Unchangeable. I'm kind of trying to remember. You are God alone. There you go. If I knew it, I'd sing it right now. 
but um, and the hits would really go up on the on the live cam. I guarantee you. But but boy, that's it. You are God alone, unchangeable. And how true is that? Because you, you know you, you you talk to people in our culture and say so that well you know, I, in fact in sports they call them fairweather fans or bandwagon fans. You know, for instance, Oregon is playing in a little while. You'll be out in time. Trust me. Okay, they're playing the last game. Some of you didn't even know they were playing basketball, but they are. Okay? And, uh, but, but, you know, there will be, if they win tonight, and I hope they do, they've got a good chance because I think they're playing a double-digit seed too, I think. Is that right? Somebody? Um, but anyway, if they win this week, man, I know people, oh, go Oregon. Who are they playing? I don't know. But I'm, I'm for them. And, and uh, who's their best player? Ah, oh, that one guy. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's how they are. But, and it, it just kind of changes. But God says, no, that's not me. God says, I change not. I'm always a Kentucky fan. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I just, I just threw that out there. He continues ever and unchangeable. You know, I think I shared this, uh, and two people walked out on that. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think I, I shared this a few weeks ago, and maybe in a Sunday morning message, but, um, you know, there's that French poem that... Uh, uh, the, the, with the pedal, he loves me, he loves me not. And that's how humanity, by the way, that's how we're used to dealing with one another that way. Because every single one of us, we're mercurial in ways. Sometimes it's our mood. Sometimes it's our spirit. Sometimes it's our health. You know, God's never had a bad day. You know? You ever see somebody and you can tell they're having a bad day, Right? Sometimes they may say, you don't want to get on my bad side today. Or they'll even wear a shirt that says, I haven't had coffee yet. Like, so what? I haven't had coffee in my life. You know, and so some of you are saying, that explains a lot, Pastor. Um, but, you, you know, and, and they'll say that. And, and you, you wonder, well, I never know where. I, I've heard people say this sometimes in relationships, sometimes even in marriage. I never know where I stand with this person. Or I always feel like I'm walking on eggshells. It's because we change, and we're mercurial in a lot of respects. If everything's going our way, man, we're great. We're on top of the world. Our team won, or, or my health is good, or I got, hey, I got a raise, or, or this happened. I got a promotion, and, and boy, things are going great. But the next day, oh, this happened, or I got bad news, and we go like this. But it's a wonderful thing to know God says, that's not me. I change not. Say, why is that important? Because we don't want to put our confidence in man. You want to make sure that your confidence is in him who changes never. And I, I won't call out names because I, I, I don't like to do that. But I mean, so if I called out names, some of the most well-known people on television who write books, and I, I see them now over the last few years, my position is evolving. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If you ever hear that from this guy, you, ever, you better call me out on it, because God's position is never evolving. God's not trying to figure out what he's going to do. The Bible says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. I didn't say that. Boy, that sounds harsh. But you know what? With God, I know where I stand. <laughs> I don't want to be wicked. I don't want to forget God. You say, why? That turned into hell thing. That sounds bad. And I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just simply saying, understand this about God. God says, that whole repentance thing, 
I meant it. That whole, you must be born again, I meant it. That, that whole, trust me, God says, I meant it. I meant it 6,000 years ago in the time of Abraham, and I mean it today. Why? I change not. I change not. Shall we stand? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe there's someone here tonight and you'd say, boy, I've got something I need God to be my supplier for. We thought about the first point we covered tonight, but He supplies. What is it that God needs to do for you? How many of you would say, every head bowed, every eye closed, just very, very quickly. How many would say, there's something in my life right now, I really need a but God moment. I need Him to do something in my life in a big way. Would you put your hand up just very, very quickly? God bless you. God bless you. You can put them down. Probably half the adults in here raise their hand. And I'm right with you. My hand's up. I want God to do something in my life. God said He'd supply our needs. Maybe if we take thought in that second point tonight, God changes not. Make sure that our confidence, our hope, our trust, our rest is placed solely upon Him. In a moment, the invitation will begin and you'll have an opportunity to respond. You're welcome to pray there at your seat, but I always encourage people, when God speaks to you, it's because as uh, George Mueller said, I, I always have an audience with the King. And if God spoke to you tonight, it's because He wants you to speak with Him. And I would encourage you to respond to whatever impulse the Holy Spirit has expressed upon your heart tonight. Lord bless in our invitation time, we pray, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Would you mind the Lord just very, very quickly?